And the thing I found with real estate is the people performing at the highest level, they're not smarter than you and I, they're not better looking, they're not, like, they're not especially gifted or talented, they just think differently. That, that's the only difference. Their, their mind just sees the asset and the space differently. So you just have to learn and pick up how they think and then so many doors open. Hey, this is your host, Dan Wynn, and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal, where we talk real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned with successful real estate entrepreneurs to help you on your journey to financial freedom. If you find value in this episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend. Lastly, make sure to follow the Financial Freedom Journal Real Estate Investing Group on Facebook. We're building a community that's dedicated to helping you transact your next deal. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn, and welcome to the Financial Freedom Journal. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Seth Ferguson. I've been watching your podcast for a while now. Uh, I put out great content every day. Um, we'd like to just welcome you to the show. Uh, thank you very much. I give a quick rundown of your background, just a quick background overview for new listeners that have maybe not heard of you. Um, yet. But as name Seth Ferguson, he's been in the real estate game for 11 years. Um, he's a host of a cable TV show, also the host of the Purchase to Profits uh, podcast. It's about real estate investing, of course. Um, he's also the author of the best-selling book, Sell for More. Um, and lastly, he's also the president of Alba Capital Group. Uh, he partners with investors to acquire and improve multifamily properties uh, in key growth markets. A uh, couple quick interesting facts. Um, so that's a former professional and junior hockey referee, uh, plays, plays the bagpipes. That's, I, I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody plays the bag, bagpipes, but, uh, plays the bagpipes and is also a huge history nerd. Uh, Seth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, usually you don't find the guy who does sports and plays the bagpipes. But, yeah, you know, how did that, I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> Bagpipes, where did that come from? I, I, th I think like my, my background is Scottish, right? With the name like Ferguson and it always, I, I thought they were cool. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just wish, you know, in high school, like all the cool guys like played guitar and they got all the girls. <laughs> uh, you don't really get the girls playing bagpipes in, in high school. <laughs> But I, I, will, I will tell you though, I did tour around with a, like a Celtic band and uh, we did have some groupies. So it, it, it turned out okay. Jeez. And so the bagpipe groupies, that's a thing. It, it, it is a real thing. Wow. They, uh, you know, lots of women like the guys in kilts. All right. So, hey, I, I guess it's the legs, right? It's gotta be, yeah. you know, they're attracted to the legs, the strong, thick thighs, you know? So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Got it, man. Skies out, thighs out. So I wear short shorts myself. So, yeah, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get into uh, real estate. So how did that come about? How did you get into real estate? What's the history there? Yeah, well that actually ties in with hockey. Um, so I was living in Minnesota, um, doing, uh, you know, some pro leagues, some junior hockey leagues as a full-time job. I came back. I'm originally from Ontario in Canada. Uh, so I went back home and I realized that I needed to find a real job, but I still wanted to try and make the, the NHL as a hockey referee. I've got a, a bunch of guys I, I work with who are there now. So it's kind of cool. I turn on the TV and I can see them. Um, I didn't, I didn't make the cut though. Uh, so I needed to find a job that would work with my hockey schedule. Uh, so selling real estate, so I was selling the residential uh, product 
And that worked really well. I could move things around so I could do both. And that was my first uh, entry into real estate. Um, and then, you know, after a number of years, I, I realized that, you know, you read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I realized that, sure, I was making what most people would call really good money, but I didn't have any assets because the commission would come in and then the commission would go out in terms of, you know, car, you know, I had the nice car, I had the nice house and all that stuff, but I, I wasn't building anything. So that's where real estate investing came in. Okay. All right. So, I mean, that's pretty cool that, uh, so, so hockey is, must be a serious passion for you. That's pretty cool that you, you, you know, from hockey, you got, uh, into real estate. Um, you gotta at least contact some of your buddies and see if they can uh, let you play the halftime show. I'm not yeah. sure if this, I don't know too much about hockey, but maybe, yeah. they, you know, do the bagpipe during the halftime or something like that. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> okay. So, um, so start off as a realtor and then, yeah. um, Red, red Rich Dad, Poor Dad, realized you were uh, kind of living for the liabilities and, and then you decided to start purchasing assets, started to acquiring those assets. So um, do you think real, being a realtor helped you um, in, the, in the real estate process and do you still hold a license? Yeah, I still have my broker's license. Um, whether it helped me or not, well, I, I, I got involved in single family investing because that's the product I knew because I was selling it. Um, so I guess in that way, it was, it was good because I had a very um, solid knowledge of the product. I knew what was a good buy, what was not the good areas because I was in and out of these houses all the time. Um, so I think it did help. Um, in another way, though, it almost because I was selling the product, it seemed like a natural progression to go into the single family rentals. And if I could go back in time and sit down with myself, I would, I would tell myself to forget the single family rentals and scale up and go bigger in the commercial space. But, you know, to be quite honest, I, I didn't really understand um, the potential in that, uh, in that commercial space uh, just because I was selling houses all day long. That's cool. That's cool. So um, if you go back in time, you tell yourself to do the commercial thing. I think uh, we've all been there. Everybody feels like you got to start small and then eventually build up to something. And that, you know, usually is not the case. Kind of a, one of those uh, myths, I guess. So yeah, I, yeah, I'd go back in time, tell myself to get rid of my nice car, <laughs> uh, move into a smaller house. I sit, you know, don't spend my money, you know, doing all the fun stuff in, in your twenties and, uh, take all that money and pour it into commercial real estate. That's what I should have done. <laughs> you live and learn. Yeah. Right? You live and learn. Then you, you live to tell the story. Uh, now you can share these experiences with a bunch of subscribers and a bunch of listeners that are listening here so they can uh, hopefully maybe we have some younger listeners that can kind of take heed to that advice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'll just tell for the younger listeners, the, the younger guys, you don't need a nice car. You don't need a nice house. You will get the ladies if you have a real estate portfolio later on in the game. So you have a you have a nice bank account. That <laughs> that's right. That matters more. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's talk your first deal. Um, I know you you know you started off single family. Uh, can you kind of go over what that was? Where you where you're at? You kind of gave us a picture of where you're at during that time. But uh, as yeah. far as location, and then also maybe purchase price. How do you finance it and things like that? For, for sure. So uh, my, my single family portfolio was in the greater Toronto area. So Toronto, Canada. Um, and that is one of the craziest markets in the world right now. The average sale price is around 800 and something thousand. Um, so that gives you an idea of how nuts everything is. Um, 
and so it was a duplex conversion. I really, um, so it was a bungalow. We added a, an accessory apartment um, in the basement uh, to increase cash flow, uh, especially in a, in a crazy market like, let's say, Seattle, um, you know, uh, L.A., New York. Cash flow is very, very tight. So anything you can do to add extra cash flow like an accessory apartment is uh, super important. Um, so that was the first experience. Um, it went really well. You learn a lot about, uh, you know, building codes and what's necessary. Um, but uh, I, that property turned out to be the best property uh, we ever did at the time really? for single families. It, it was awesome location. Um, it was uh, built in the 50s. So it was like a 50s wartime kind of bungalow. Uh, just rock solid, you know, a thousand square feet, nice big lot. In 20 years, somebody's going to knock it down, build a big uh, mega mansion. Okay. Do you still own it right now or did, do you still have it as a part of your portfolio? Or did you completely get rid of your single family portfolio? Well, this brings us to the dark times in my life. <laughs> so, so I had a, I had a nice little portfolio going in a very hot market. So <clears throat> it, it was challenging to do, um, especially on the financing side. And then um, my, my ex partner and the mother of my child uh, kind of did the, uh, uh, she kind of did the uh, scorched earth policy and oh, uh, burned no. everything to the ground. Oh no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can say goodbye to let's say $3 million of real estate. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so I, I, uh, I'm now building back up from scratch. The Phoenix that rises from the, from the ashes, oh, right? <laughs> 100%. So it's uh, you know, I wish I had a feel good story. Like things were really good. And then things got really, really bad. And now I'm back on the upswing. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's what um, I think that's really great about not just real estate, but any entrepreneur in general, because th when you're an entrepreneur, you're always going to experience those highs and those lows and your ability to keep moving forward um, and your enthusiasm about it. I think that speaks volumes to you and your character. And obviously your, what's your future, what your future is going to look like. So that's, that's great, man. Like it happens, yeah. you know, so yeah. it happens. And, and the one thing I've noticed is, um, you know, you've had your guests on the show as well. All the guests that are performing at the highest level, they've all hit rock bottom at some point. And that was the defining moment of their, you know, their career and their life. So, you know, when, when things collapsed around me, it was like, you know, you have two choices. You can either let it ruin you or you can turn it into the best thing that ever happened to you. And, you know, I, I chose the latter and it's been, you know, and that's where the podcast came from. That's where a whole bunch of other things uh, emerged. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know, I, I, in one way, I'm really glad it happened uh, because I, I think once you get hit like that, you have a, you get a chip on your shoulder and you have, I call it like a fire smoldering in your belly. Like you have that hunger, like even though I wanted to be successful before, now, after having gone through that, I am a totally, I'm still the same person, but I'm different in a way, if that makes sense. And I've just got a more of an edge to me. It's almost like you don't really give a crap because what, what else can happen? <laughs> like what else can happen? And now you have to be successful. You have to rise or, you know, you're going to sink. So that's yeah. great. That's great. Okay. Would you mind sharing some of the numbers with that one? I mean, I know you, you, you got it. Um, would you mind sharing some of the numbers with that? I mean, Oh yeah. Um, so that, that was purchased ooh, probably seven, seven or eight years ago. 
Um, and that was purchased, it was a totally original condition for um, low, high 300s. Um, totally renovated the property, added the, added the accessory apartment. Um, you know, it would be worth probably 750, 775 right now. Okay. Uh, so it's done okay. Like in the, in the Toronto market, um, it's actually similar to Australia right now uh, in terms of Sydney. We hit uh, the peak of the market in the spring of 2017. We had a pretty sizable correction uh, depending on the price point in the residential properties anywhere from, you know, let's say 10 to 20% uh, in terms of uh, price drop. That's a pretty um, big correction. Yeah, and uh, and now we're kind of we're we're hitting the recovery phase right now for for residential. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably around seven fifty, seven seventy five today. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So what what were some of the the lessons learned? Are the big lessons learned uh, from that particular deal? Uh, well, I th I think number one, if you are in the residential space and you're doing any sort of uh, con like conversion, you have to know. Uh, number one, you have to know the building code and the expectations of the municipality and the city. Um, you have to have that stuff all done up front. Lots of people, they'll buy a place for, let's say, a flip or a major renovation. They won't file their permits until closing day. <laughs> Big mistake. You need to file for your permits well in advance so that way you can hit the ground running as soon as you close. Um, that would be one. Number two, uh, contractors uh, ran into some contractor issues. Uh, you know, people say they can make a legal basement apartment. They've had experience. You ask for references. They say, yeah, they did a good job. And then you find out that those basements were illegal and not legal. So they didn't know anything about uh, the codes necessary. So those were the two big lessons. Um, and, and I think the best thing that happened with that property is a couple years after that renovation, uh, you know, the market had increased, we had increased the value. We were, we were able to uh, refinance the property, take out the equity and use that equity to purchase another property. And so basically, basically your return on investment is infinite at that point because you've just bought another house for like with none of your cash involved. And I, I think that's the, that's the most beautiful thing in real estate. I think they call I think that has a name. That strategy has a name. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's coined by, uh, I believe, Bigger Pockets of the Burr strategy. The, so, the Burr, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's. I think people have been doing it for a long time, but after after it was coined, I think it's uh, it's it's turned. That was my first my first deal as well. I did a Burr strategy deal. Actually, I did the first two were pretty much Burr strategy deals. So, um, it's where you you buy it, you rehab it, you refin you rent it out, refinance it, and then repeat it. So, um, going to the deal. You take all after you're done with it, after you rent it out, you're cash flowing it, um, and you take all of your capital out for um, those who are unfamiliar with it. It's, a, it's an excellent strategy. Excellent strategy. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, depending on your market, some markets are more conducive to that strategy than others. Um, if your market's really hot and things are really tight, you might not be able to pull out all of your money. Um, but, you know, if you're in a, let's say, a more cash flow type of market, uh, you're, you're probably going to be able to, to do that a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. All, all the appraisal, uh, a lot of it has to do with the appraisal. Yeah. How hot your market yeah. is. So I imagine Toronto around that time was, was a uh, scolding hot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, it was nuts. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. So where are you now? And, uh, what, what's, what's some of the deals you're doing now and, or what's one of your favorite deals maybe um, that if you wouldn't mind sharing that. For, for sure. So like I alluded to, I, I basically lost 
<laughs> everything. Uh, so now I'm back on the upswing. So um, I, I, a couple of years ago, I realized that investing in single family homes was not going to give me the scale I needed to hit the goals I wanted. Um, that came about because uh, my son was born. And, uh, you know, when you're holding your son for the first time, you have that urge to become a better father and do better for him. Um, so it was almost, it's, it's kind of funny, like you have kids, so you probably know what, I, what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, in, in a blink of an eye, your life changes and, and you just need to do more. So at that point, I, I, it was, I was just, I was like, okay, well now I really have to take this real estate thing and, and really scale it. Um, so now because, you know, I, I lost the portfolio starting from scratch. So now I'm targeting the stuff I should have been targeting at the very start. So I'm going after the, uh, the larger multifamily deals, uh, you know, hundred units plus. So right now I'm looking at, uh, you know, a value add opportunity in, uh, let's say a B, the B class, um, between a hundred and 300 units. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so almost had a deal in uh, Houston a couple months ago. That one didn't work out. Um, I haven't closed a deal yet in the multifamily space because I'm still pretty fresh out of the uh, losing everything. Um, but, uh, you know, by the end of this year, I will have a deal. Like I've got the acquisition team in place, uh, raising capital right now. Um, you know, it's just a matter of underwriting the deals. And, you know, as, as you know, you look at 100 deals, you get a couple good ones. Uh, so it's just a process of, you know, working those funnels and, uh, and, and making things happen. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing, the funnel factor. Um, yeah. that's, a, that's a big one. I'm in the same exact position for the most part. Uh, I haven't done my first commercial deal yet or my first large commercial deal, but I'm, I'm looking similar, a little bit smaller, you know, more like 60 to maybe a hundred units, yeah. but, uh, same, same thing. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get a deal closed around the same time. That'd be great. So, uh, yeah, I know you're going to be able to, I know you're going to crush, uh, crush it and and, uh, get that first deal under, um, under contract. And I'm looking forward to hearing about it. That's awesome, dude. For, yeah. for sure. And, and that 60 to a hundred unit range, <clears throat> that's a good little niche or, or niche, depending on which side of the country you're on. <laughs> uh, you know, because, because you get lots of mom and pop still operating at that level. Uh, you know, the sellers are a different level, uh, at a different level of sophistication so that there's some good deals out there. Uh, we'll see. I mean, the market's, the market's pretty hot down here. What, what area are you focusing in? Are you still um, looking in Canada or are you, are you no. in the U.S. at all? Yeah. So the provinces <clears throat> of Ontario has a uh, rent control. Um, so that makes a value add strategy very difficult to do. Plus the landlord tenant laws are very pro tenant. Um, and, you know, right now the Toronto market, you know, looking at some U.S. markets, those cap rates are compressed right now in Toronto. Like they're ultra compressed. Like you're talking about 4%, 3%. Like, yeah. Like really? it is ridiculous. Some of the uh, prices that are being paid right now. Really? Yeah. It, it's, uh, but you know, like the, the, the key market drivers in the Toronto market are solid. You know, we have massive growth. Job market's looking really good. Lots of diversity. You know, all those drivers are there. So I, I don't, am I concerned about the market? Not really. But I, I think for, I'm a big fan of the value add strategy uh, when it comes to multifamily. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of interviewing, let's say, 160 
investors. <laughs> so I'm able to get their opinions and, and talk with them about what's working. So I decided, you know, value add strategy is the way to go. And Ontario is not necessarily the market for me right now. So uh, Texas. For that. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm looking in Texas right now, a couple markets there. And, you know, it's, it's fun for me because I'm now, I started off as a broker and I'm on the other side of the table. Um, but it's good because I know exactly what questions are going through their minds. I, I know the language and all that stuff. That's great. Okay. So Texas, Texas area. Um, are you, have you done any programs? So let's say, um, subscribers and listeners out there want to know, how do I get started? What do I need to do to even get started uh, right now? A hundred units is just unimaginable, unimaginable unimaginable to me <laughs> right now. Um, how do I even get started in this space? And what are the, some of the things that I could be doing to, uh, to put myself in a position to where, where, you're, where you're at? Yeah, I would say number one, before you even pick up the phone or send somebody an email, you have to sit down and think about, really think about why you are investing in real estate. What is the reason? Um, because I think a lot of people, they don't, they don't have a true understanding of, of the driving force behind why they want to do something. And, and for me right now, it's my son. Like I, I want to be able to lead by example, show him what can be accomplished, push those boundaries and, and really provide stability and be able to pass something down to him once I'm old and, and dead and all that stuff. Um, so, so that's my why. A lot of new investors, when I ask them, they don't have that why yet. So take a week and really think about what's really important to you because I think that's, that's almost like the foundation. And if you don't have that foundation, that driving force behind you, if you're not clear, um, that can really hold your back as your business scales. Um, once you do that, once you have a good reason why, you know, then you have to choose the type of asset you want, you want to invest in. For some people, it's single family homes. I've interviewed lots of successful people doing that. Uh, for myself, it was multifamily. Other people, it's uh, retail. Other people, it's industrial. There's so many different you know, facets of real estate that you can be successful at. But it all goes, you, can, you should be able to choose a niche in real estate that works for you based on your why. So if, if you want to be able to retire from your job in three years, you're going to be looking at different markets and a different type of asset than if you want to be able to pass on legacy wealth in 20 years. And so this is why I say figure out your why first because everything builds from that. Uh, Simon Sinek has a great book called, I'm sure you've heard of it, Start With Why. And it kind of yeah. talks, the whole entire book pretty much just talks about how, how you can start with your why and, and how you can get to your why. Um, and I think you have a phenomenal why. It's, it's basically the same exact uh, as is mine. You know, I had my son, uh, my first child, and literally, I want to say I started my, started my LLC like three months after that because that driving force is, that burning in your stomach is like something else. When you, when you bring a child into this world, uh, at least for me and, and, and people like you as well. So it's, it's a different type of feeling. It's like, it's game time. There's no more, there's no more waiting around now. And you know, you, you gotta do something. So, um, yeah. I definitely agree. Definitely, definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I would say, you know, once <clears throat> you figure out the type of asset, uh, the one thing I did was I looked for the people performing at the highest level in that asset class. Do I really, you know, why would I want to learn from somebody who's an average performer or a below average performer? Like I want to learn, like, let's say I'm taking, you know, lessons on like 
I want to be a quarterback. Do what, well, some people might not agree, but would Tom Brady be a good choice? <laughs> Probably, right? He's been there. He's a good teacher. Why would I go for like a, you know, like a, you know, college backup, yeah. right? When I could take a lesson from Tom Brady because he'll be doing things differently. And the thing I found with real estate is the people performing at the highest level, they're not smarter than you and I. They're not better looking. They're not, like, they're not especially gifted or talented. They just think differently. That, that's the only difference. Their, their mind just sees the asset and the space differently. So you just have to learn and pick up how they think. And then so many doors open. And I know for myself, doing the podcast, it's amazing talking to all these people on a daily basis. Your mind just expands so much. Yeah, that's, that's those are some great words. Great, great words. I'm going to definitely cut that piece. <laughs> I'm probably going to be uh, using that to market. So I think that's, that's excellent. Everything you just said there. So let's say I, I found the asset. Let's say I know my asset class. I found my why I want to do multifamily um, apartments. So what's next? Yeah. So next you have to leverage a team and you know, if you haven't, purchased a larger multifamily property before, chances are you won't get a deal unless you have people on your team uh, supporting you that have the experience. Uh, real estate, especially at the large commercial level, is a team sport. It, there's not room for individuals. Um, because the, the reason is you have so many different aspects of a deal. You have the operational side, so making sure the asset runs properly. Then you have the underwriting side, so making sure you're making a good purchase and all the fundamentals are there. Then you have the capital raising side because you can't buy these assets, these let's say $20 million assets without capital. So each, each part takes a different personality type. Um, you know, a good underwriter is likely not going to be your good capital raiser two totally different types of people. But once you bring those strengths all together, you have a very solid team. And that's what allows these, these rock star operations to close deal after deal after deal because they're playing to everybody's strengths. And typically that person is the syndicator, a real estate. So what he's talking about is syndication right now. Typically there is a um, one person that's kind of wrangling um, each of those, each of those um, people um, together to work as one single unit, uh, t uh, a team and taking it down, taking down one asset. So, yeah. 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 Well, it's just like a fire team. Like yeah, just, everybody has their role, right? Exactly. And then you have your team leader. That's the That's essentially exactly what it is. Um, hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Right. Okay. So let's talk about Alba capital. Um, yeah. and how that, how that relates to, or how that can potentially help, um, someone who's trying to get into uh, to real estate. For sure. Well, uh, so I started Alba Capital Group. So Alba, so this, this goes back to the geeky uh, bagpipes. So <laughs> Alba is a, the Gaelic word for Scotland. So I figured I'd, I'd throw a little reference oh, in man. there. So that, nice little twist yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, a little twist. Um, so I started Alba um, for, the, for the multifamily uh, acquisitions. Um, so if somebody's interested in learning more about the multifamily side, uh, you know, happy to speak with them. Um, I'm currently in the middle of writing a book just based on the, uh, my first 50 interviews I've done. Um, so putting all that knowledge, there's so much. So I'm, I'm having a challenging time condensing all that good stuff <laughs> to a, a book, but uh, that, that will be coming out later on this year. Um, 
but if somebody's an accredited investor, um, so de depending on whether you live in Canada or the United States, the rules may slightly vary, uh, but it's usually if you make uh, over $200,000 a year as an individual or 300000 as a couple or have a million dollars of liquid assets, um, you know, you can invest in these deals. Uh, we can go into the different types of deals if you want, but that would probably just put people to sleep uh, uh, right, right now. I got you. It's all good. Um, I just wanted to at least, you know, kind of explain what Alba Capital does and how it can help um, any any um, investors out there that are looking to possibly be a more passive um, passive investor. Maybe they're not willing to run all the numbers, but they want they they have some capital. They're maybe not getting the best returns in the stock market or their IRA, um, where they can possibly get better returns with. For, for sure. And, and, you know, I'm always shocked when I sit down and speak with a potential investor. Most people, even though they're very sophisticated business people, um, most people don't realize what real estate investing is all about. So I'm having these conversations, you know, you know let's say with a very successful lawyer who's, you know, a very well paid individual who's a true expert in his field. He doesn't, he's not, only thing he's been told about is stocks. But you know, when you sit down, it, so I feel when I'm sitting down with a potential investor, it's more of an education uh, component or, or conversation than it is like an investment, like a sales pitch, uh, because I'm explaining um, what um, you know the tax benefits of real estate. Most people don't realize about cost segregation and and how you can use that to to really uh, cut down on your tax bill. Uh, most people don't. Re don't really understand how you leverage real estate and how the value add system works, or they don't understand how real estate at this level is valued. Um, so, so the income approach versus the comparable approach. Um, but w once you have these conversations with potential investors, you, you see, you see it click and then their eyes open up. Like why hasn't get, anyone said this before? Why hasn't yeah. anyone, hasn't anyone talked about this before? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're saying, so wait a minute, I'm going to pay almost no tax, but I'm going to make all this money. And, uh, you know, and, and then, then you start building from there, but it's, it's really, and that's where, you know, your podcast is so important. And that's why my podcast is valuable because we're spreading the word and educating people about a, an asset, an investment class uh, that doesn't really get too much exposure uh, because the, your traditional uh, investments, you know, they will, Wall Street will pay a, a stockbroker a commission. Um, that same financial advisor, let's say, will not get paid um, if you invest in a alternative investment, which is what real estate is. So um, I, we have to spread the word, get the word out there because so many people could benefit uh, from all the advantages of, of real estate. Yeah, it's, it's big. I start talking to, I have the conversations kind of on a smaller scale with other uh, with others. I, I do some very similar, I'm trying to raise capital for my um, first syndicated deal as well. So um, having these conversations, I run into a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, just me explaining what a syndication really is and um it's basically every single thing that you just said um in the tax shelter the tax benefits you know debt pay down repositioning of the asset what that looks like um just regular returns what similar returns look uh what normal returns look like um so yeah I definitely definitely understand that yeah and, and if somebody's uh let's say new to raising capital the one thing I, the one word of advice I can give you is be passionate and be enthusiastic. Um, because well, once people see how passionate and how much you believe 
in the, the asset, uh, you'll, you'll find that those conversations go a lot better. Yeah. Duly noted. That's good. That's good stuff. Okay. So how can, how can any of my, um, any of my subscribers get in, in contact with you or Alba group? Um, do you have any, uh, any information to put out to uh, the listeners? For, for sure. Um, so they can visit sethferguson.org. Uh, don't go to .com because that's an evangelical preacher guy uh, <laughs> with my name. Uh, but sethferguson.org, I've got a, a nice download uh, for you. It's the top seven key market drivers I look at when I'm analyzing a real estate market. They can also visit albacapitalgroup.com, so A-L-B-A. And I think I have an embarrassing picture of me playing the bagpipes uh, on there. So you can go check it out. That's great. I want to make that the, uh, the thumbnail picture. So just yeah. you playing the bagpipe. That's great. Um, yeah, but thank you so much, Seth. I appreciate uh, you coming on the show and, um, and t- sharing your experiences, sharing your knowledge. Um, please make sure to reach out to him if you are a, an accredited investor and you're looking to um, invest. If, um, if you want to make better returns than the stock market, you know, so uh, that, is, that is definitely uh, a way to go. So, yeah. Again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate you, Seth. Yeah, no, thanks so much. And even if you're not an accredited investor, still reach out if you have questions. I'm always happy to uh, talk with people. Definitely, definitely. Um, and I'll keep watching the podcast and putting out a lot of great information there. So purchase to profits. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks again. All right. Hey, this is uh, Dan Wynn, Financial Freedom Journal, signing off.